This episode is brought to you by Not Alone Co. It has been such a pleasure for us at Not Alone Co. to create our little Not Alone community. We want to be able to utilize the messaging on our apparel in order to help facilitate tough and meaningful conversations with your loved ones. Community, conversation, and vulnerability. This is a journey and mental health isn't a battle to be won. We at Not Alone Co. are here to remind you that you are never alone and it's okay to not be okay. Use code NAC10 at checkout for 10% off your order, which helps us donate portions of the proceeds to various mental health charities and foundations. That's code NAC10 at checkout. We love you and you're not alone. Welcome, everyone, to the Speak Your Mind podcast, powered by Torch Pro. This is episode number 25, and I am Riley Shane with my co-host, Tyler Smith. Today on the podcast, we have Dan Leffelar. Dan is my life coach, I guess we could call him. He didn't like that title. I'd say more of a performance coach, I think, is the right word. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll go with that. Right words. Um, so I've been working with Dan for about two years, over two years now, since the beginning of COVID. Um, and he, he's kind of helped me figure out a lot of things in my life and um, change some of my values and perspective on things and has really helped me a lot. Um, so we thought it would be appropriate to bring him on and we kind of flipped the switch. He, uh, he sort of asked us questions. We dug deep into our stories um, and it was a pretty cool episode. Yeah, I've uh, this is only the second time I guess I've met Dan um, and I think he's just the, the best. I can see why you work with him, um, the way he, he, you know, handles those conversations and the way he creates thought-provoking questions and the way he can, you know, do it so gracefully, but also just, you know, make it, make it fun in the same sense was, um, for me, I think a lot of fun. Um, he's, like I said, he's the best and the, the plot twist in the episode, I think you guys will really enjoy. It's something we haven't done yet. Uh, I think, you know, now that we brought Dan on, it's, it might be something that we will continue to do in the future a couple times here and there, but, uh, yeah, uh, before we dive into today's interview, we wanted to highlight that Primera Blue Cross is a proud sponsor of Speak Your Mind. One in five people deal with mental health conditions every year, so no matter who you are, it's okay to ask for help. Primera Blue Cross, always in your corner. And one quick plug, uh, congrats on Riley for signing in Buffalo. Now let's jump into the conversation. Dan? Thank Hello. you for joining. <laughs> Thank you for joining us, brother. I am so uh, excited to be uh, with you guys. It's gonna um, it's gonna be a great conversation. So, for a quick little background, Dan is my I guess I don't want to call him my life coach, but he is a <laughs> life coach that I use. Um, I've been using I think for over the last two years, sort of right when when COVID started, and I remember calling Dan. Um, like a lost sort of puppy and like in tears too like please tell me you're just we we kind of got to that point like I called him and I was I was really unsure of what my future was looking like I knew kids were in the future with my with my now wife and um a lot of uncertainty with hockey and um it was just a tough time for me and and I actually I kind of got Dan's number through a teammate um and then made that call and it's kind of been not smooth sailing ever since, but uh, a learning process. And I, I call Dan a very good friend now and um, a pillar that I can lean on. And we, we have some good conversations, sometimes get a little silly in there too. So um, 
it means a lot for for you to be on right now dan and i appreciate it yeah no i'm i'm really excited i i i know i'd be curious around people's reactions to uh the term life coach because i actually never use that term um largely because what we do is a little bit different but there is there still is a stigma around even you guys talk a lot about mental health too like a stigma around any sort of development or self-reflection the other problem too is that you know there's there's lots of uber drivers who are also life coaches but um and that 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 doesn't do well for the industry but um yeah i i work with a company called novus global i actually am the director of a division in that company called novus global sport so we have coaches who work with athletes in the nhl the mlb the nba the MLS, the Premier League, and the uh, the NFL. So all the sports leagues. Um, and then our company is based in LA and we work with lots of different corporate organizations. And I, that's where I came from. I did corporate work first uh, and then uh, branched off into sports because I have a bit of a sports background. So we call ourselves performance coaches in the sports space, in the co- corporate space, we call ourselves executive coaches. And every once in a while, somebody will say, you're a life coach. I'm like, yes. <laughs> Yeah, it's a really dry way of putting it. I, guess. <laughs> I know, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's. Uh, I'm excited to to get to spend some time. Is there anything you guys want to know about me before we we do something a little different on this show that you guys normally do? Yeah, talk about a little plot twist coming up. Um, I guess for me, like, talk about your your ultimate fuel to be able to, you know coach you know to whether it's executive coach performance coach life coach yeah. i mean all the all the titles but what was that original fuel um riley and i chatted briefly about you know your schooling past is completely kind of different than i yeah. guess what you landed on um so we don't have to dive too much into it but just like that fuel to help yeah um uh so con so the fuel it's gonna sound a little strange but my the original fuel is despair Um, and I think that's pretty common for people who change their lives in any sort of meaningful way. It's usually they hit some sort of rock bottom and of relationship or career, and they're looking for a change. Um, we, we like to talk about in our company that, um, we don't, you don't need to hit rock bottom to change something. If you work with one of our people in organizations, we'll create an artificial rock bottom. (laughs) So you don't have to hit it. You can just change anyway. But I, I was, I did an undergraduate degree in medical research. Uh, I was a speed skater, a competitive speed skater in Canada uh, at a pretty high level. And I was depressed out of my mind um, and I wasn't performing and I was blaming a lot of the circumstances I was in. Uh, I was feeling a lot of pity for myself. And, um, and then through about a 10 year journey from that moment to, to when I joined the company I work with now uh, was about exploring different avenues of trying to fix that or deal with that. And uh, then I was fortunate enough to stumble into being a part of a, a startup that was just getting going and learning what we do now with, with people. And it's, it's been a wild ride, but yeah, despair. Now the fuel is um, I, it sounds cliche, but, or not even true, but I legitimately get to work with people and see them regularly do things they thought were impossible for them. And that is that is the best way to spend my time. I can't think of a better way to spend my time than helping people break through, uh, athletes break through different levels of performance. Um, people create things in their lives they didn't think they could create. Um, so yeah. I think it just shows too, like the power of like helping other people and like now you get to do it for a living. Right. And crazy. it's almost like, that's a lot of like what we work on is like how I can kind of get out of my box and make those other areas of my life better, which 
kind of the bulk of it is making sure my wife I'm helping my wife I'm helping my family or I'm helping you know and yeah, unload the dishwasher just... for once. Hey, I saw Keith this morning. <laughs> yeah. Did, you see, did yeah. you see that? Yes, unload it. <laughs> I feel like there was a, maybe a subtle jab in there at me, you know? That's exactly what I thought. <laughs> and I don't know if you saw, but it's Keisha's Instagram. Is it, is it today's story? <laughs> no, it, it might have been from last night. Okay, just talking about, like, talking about like worst household uh chores to do and it was just like a picture of how she's constantly unfilling and filling the dishwasher so it is it is weird how (laughs) life is like that (laughs) like there's like a constant i clean the thing up that i just cleaned up that i just cleaned up like it's yeah yeah Yeah, but for sure i i was gonna say the 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 cool thing the other cool thing about our like about my job is um a lot of people do performance consulting or, or coaching as individuals um, I work in a team and lead it. I lead a team of seven in the sports space, but work on a team of 60 and we doubled in size every year. So the power of community and, and what that does for a growth and what that does for health. And, and you guys are an example of that. Like there's not one host, there's two, and yeah. you're creating a community, uh, here of listeners and people who care about the stories of, of people at all levels of performance and, and to see the commonalities and how you can help themselves. So. How often do you see it in like the, I mean, I guess it would be more in the corporate world probably because usually I feel like athletes are coming to you knowing that they need a little bit of guidance, but like in the corporate world being like where people are like, you know, I never really thought something like this would be like helpful, like, or kind of like questioning it if it's like a group sort of thing. And, and then when you, they go through it, it's like a little bit of a light bulb moment where like, wow, like this stuff is actually really powerful. Yeah. Uh, we, we regularly experience that there's, there's often, um, I find people who aren't curious to be the least interesting people I know. (laughs) Um, so, so, and, and often they're not curious for a reason too. There's like a lot of defense mechanisms that's, that are built into us. We like certainty because to be curious and to not know, there's a lot of fear there too, for people. So one of the things that, um, has been really helpful. And I think, I think you guys are experiencing this, like when you're in your environments of playing in the NHL or Tyler, when you're traveling and speaking to people, you like, there are people who are, you know, it's almost like your thoughts are a threat to them or your new way of seeing the world is, is like disrupting what's normal for them. And um, I find there's always, there's always one or two or a group of people in an organization who, who knows that that's the next step to finding a new level of performance or a new satisfaction in their life or a new goal. And, um, Often what ends up happening is a few of those people start the conversation and then others kind of catch up to it. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, we joke that what we do at Novus is like whiskey. It's like either love it or you hate it. Um, (laughs) you know, and some people, some people were, we're not for everybody. Um, I, we haven't worked with every athlete I've met, excuse me. Um, but, uh, I think that the big takeaway for us is like, we just believe that people are regularly getting in their own way. And they don't know it. <clears throat> Sorry, guys. And disrupting, yeah, like like you're kind of along the line of like disrupting that pattern or that routine that they're in is is too uncomfortable or almost can seem inconvenient in the fact that breaking a routine is opposite of what they probably think is going to help them. Yeah, well, and, and this is what happens is comfort, comfort, and comfort is great for a vacation when mm-hmm. you're resting. It's not good for the rest of your life. Um, wearing sweatpants every day as I did as many of 
you did during COVID and, you know, Riley was playing hockey, but right. Like when we were all trapped in our houses, like you could see it psychologically beginning to affect you. Right. Or you're like, and so some of us got off the couch and like, I'm going to get a six pack during COVID, but most people didn't do that. They went and got a six pack. Like they went <laughs> to the store and got one. Right. So that, and you're right. Like there's, there's a interesting tension between we need comfort in our lives, but growth, we also crave growth. And so whenever there's a conversation in a company or with an athlete, um, one of the things that people don't realize is they're, and this is something I've talked with Riley a lot about, we are regularly underestimating what we're capable of. And we're regularly underestimating what we're, what others are capable of. And we kind of live in that co-conspiratorial environment. And then suddenly somebody comes in and kind of pokes at it and it disrupts the equilibrium and everyone freaks out. And then a few people go, they're right. Like, what else, what else could we go after and expand our life? And so, uh, and, and what's interesting actually is you guys are both examples of that. Um, whether it's by tragedy or by choice. Uh, uh, and that's, I'm excited to actually get into that. So (laughs) I think too, like we can touch on, because I think this hits on it, like something that we talk about, it's the, like, I mean, I don't want to give up too many like too much of our conversations but like those survival needs that we talk about right like how your brain's wired to be like they want to be right so it's easy for you to tell yourself like this is the right thing to do i'm going to sit on the couch and watch netflix this is the right thing to and like all those things that's kind of you don't think are a big deal like they add up and they're easy things to do like it's easy to eat bad it's easy to get in these binges of tv shows easy to go out drinking whatever but like the things that are hard are the things that are like usually like the healthiest too. Right. So there's always a challenge there. Well, like the old saying, Rome wasn't built in the day. The, the, the yeah. full saying is Rome wasn't built in the day, but they were laying bricks every day. Like they were. Yeah. I think the inverse is also true. Rome doesn't fall apart. It's not like the whole house collapses all at once. It, it collapses slowly through those little things that start kind of creeping in and and we're not watching for it. And then all of a sudden it's like a relationship, right? Like yeah. people get the marriage blows up. It doesn't blow up overnight. It, it It's all these things that add up over time. So yeah, I, I, you said it really well, Riley. And, and I've, it's been fun watching you guys step into a space to facilitate conversations with people about their stories. And because I think if you listen closely, you, you hear, and I know you guys have, but you see the themes of, and kind of the moments that make us are often the moments that are hard, right? They're the moments yeah. that invite challenge. We had to go beyond ourselves. And, and I'm sure if people go back and listen to episodes, they're going to hear that consistently through a lot of the conversations. Yeah, for sure. I feel like this is a perfect segue. I almost think we need like theme music right now. Like Dan, Dan, Dan. <laughs> but anyways, I'm now playing an Uno reverse card. Um, and I think, I think you guys, all listeners will enjoy it a little bit. Obviously we bring on guests to, you know, hear their journeys and and be able to connect with their journeys and resonate with stuff but we have the great pleasure of being able to be somewhat interviewed by dan today um we're going to invoice him after the show for all this work (laughs) here but uh i will i think we're going to hand it off to our boy dan to you know let him make sure the listeners are into our lives as well as not just not just the guests we bring on but we want to make sure that you know we're being vulnerable and we're um we're helping facilitate these conversations while also, you know, being on the front lines of it as well. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, and I'm really excited to, cause I, I have listened to the podcast and you guys get stories out of people um, and you hear their story, but I know having spent a little bit of time with you, Tyler, and a lot of time with Riley, like there's some serious stories 
in both of you guys. So why don't we start? I, uh, yes, we're flipping the script. I'm now the host. You guys, are the guests, <laughs> welcome to the podcast. Welcome to speak your mind. We're going to, we're going to get Riley and Tyler to speak their minds, which is a pretty cool experience and a little different for them. So hopefully uh, it'll be interesting to everybody. I think I'm pretty sure it will be. Um, so really first, can, can maybe just to set a little bit of the stage, um, rather than going really far back into history, how did you guys meet? Yeah. So we started the podcast. Like I got, we started with Torch Pro. Um, Danny Healy and I, as Danny's a, a member of the Torch Pro crew, um, we started doing this. Uh, this idea came out about doing a podcast about mental health, kind of telling your story and whatnot. Ty was our first or second guest. Yeah. So you, Riley, did his show where he kind of opened up and, you know, talked about his story. And then they, uh, one of my uh, good friends down here, Loren Mercier, um, knows. Danny a little bit and uh and actually connected me with them to be their first guest and um and well, hold on hold on so <laughs> you you you're the first guest and somehow from that you moved to becoming a host so that there's no expectations exactly yeah like I no promises guys uh yeah. but <laughs> no I'm not expecting that at all you, you guys got a good thing going on but Tyler I'm I'm curious Riley what about Tyler in that interview had had you wanting him to be a part of what you're doing? Like you saw something there. What did you see? Yeah. I mean, I think after the show, we were just like, wow, like that was actually like, it was really good. I mean, he's so well-spoken and clean with his words and everything. And then like, just like kind of stepping back to think about it, like what Ty has gone through was something unfathomable and the way that he like represents himself now and like his willingness to help other people now was so admirable especially to it like he's young like I'm 30 I had to think about that I'm 30 <laughs> years old Ty what are you're 24 right 24 yeah so like just at such a young age and, and it was cool for me to think about like hmm. all the boxes we could check right like I I have essentially what I dreamed of like this is my the, my dream life but I'm still dealing with the, these issues and that's okay because that's my own personal experience and each person has their own personal spirit experience. And then Ty has dealt with something so traumatic. And I think it was just really important to make, make sure we were like conveying to everybody that like, it's okay. It doesn't matter if you're very successful in the public's eye or if you're down in the dumps because you don't think you're good enough or you've experienced something that it's just kind of terrible. Like, we just open up and we'll all get through it together. So that's kind of what, what we thought after our interview with Ty and kind of just gone from there. So Ty, there's a little tire pump. So Oh <laughs> yeah, they are full, baby. Oh. <laughs> your head, that. I don't know if your head's going to be able to fit through <laughs> your door. Go and leave it we'll, we'll send out pins to pop. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, Ty, so obviously to kind of flip it just for a second, and then we're going to kind of get into more of the historical background, but like, you agreed to do this. So what, what, what about Riley and what was going on grabbed you? Like, why, why did you decide to join? I think, uh, honestly, one of the major things that helped me along the way was seeing athletes, um, come out with their struggles. Uh, to be honest, like he seeing DeMar DeRozan, seeing Kerry Price, seeing Jonathan Juan, um, and, and the fact that Riley was, you know, wanting to do this you know it wasn't a case of he was the guest on the podcast like it was the case of he's the host and he wants to do this and wants to continue these conversations while he's still playing um i think that really intrigued me and uh i mean 
for me, it was a case of, okay, like, do I co-host a podcast about mental health with a guy who plays in the NHL? Originally, I was like, I mean, I can't say no. (laughs) (laughs) And I think, I mean, ever since, I mean, it's been a really fulfilling journey. It's crazy to think that, you know, Riley and I have only met two times in person, but we've had some incredible conversations. And um, I, I've told this many times, but like, I'm learning new things every single time we do an episode and I'm able to, I'm able to input it into my speeches or I'm able to input it into kind of my daily life. And I've, I have a, a sheet or like a, probably a 12 page document that keeps growing about like quotes from Joe Hawley or quotes from this or whatever it is. And I think to, you know, just be able to continue doing this is, it's what I want to do. And it's, I've now really embraced the passion. At first I was scared. At first I was skeptical, but I mean, back to the fact that Riley wants to do it as a, as a guy who plays in the NHL in front of thousands of people every night. I mean, for him to be able to put himself in that eye in front of everybody, I was like, I absolutely, I want to be on board. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And I'm just realizing that if you've only been with Riley twice, that means that one of those times was with me. Oh, three times. Oh, yeah. I guess three times, three times. Oh, okay. Boston, three times. Boston <laughs> Seattle and Calgary. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. That's yeah. true. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is, it is amazing how um, technology has changed the way we can build community. Um, like I, I, I don't work with any, what's ironic is my personal practice. I don't work with anybody in Calgary, like nobody plays for the Calgary Flames and I'm in Calgary. So um, it, it does allow us to create way more powerful, larger communities. Um, what, what, um, so just let's go kind of go back a little bit. And so Riley, maybe start with you. Uh, I'm just wondering, can you tell me about the first time you, you experienced a thought of like, oh, I might have an issue or I might have something I'm concerned about when it comes to myself and my own mental health and the, the moment where this became more real for you personally, maybe it wasn't you, maybe it was a family member, but I'm just curious, like, what, what kind of drew you into this conversation? Um, yeah, like, I mean, first sort of feelings about, or like with these kind of like anxiety, depression, I think were the two things that hit me the hardest. Like it goes back to when I first, even like when I went away to school, I went away to, to college and this first time leaving home and it was really, really difficult for me. And people chalk that up as homesickness, right? But like those really are just feelings of anxiety and panic and like you're in an unfamiliar yeah fear unfamiliar territory I went from being I'm playing junior b in my hometown where my buddies could come watch me I was playing with my friends that I grew up with I lived at home like everything was just simple and you go away and then it's a it's a life change so that was that was intimidating I ended up getting through it but not really chalking anything up towards it and then when I turned pro was another sort of life-changing transition where I started getting more feelings like this. And I, I did a lot of like, I don't want to say masking through drinking and, but like, I just sort of dealt with those feelings. And then when I had the chance to shut it all off, whether it's through hockey or through drinking or through any kind of just that hockey lifestyle, I would lean on it hard and I would kind of end up doing things that I wasn't really like proud of looking back on it. Um, and then, yeah, like I got in trouble like three times, three years in a row, I'd gotten in trouble with alcohol related things. And then the last one was while well, I would, when I turned pro with, with the Red Wings and um, it kind of took me back a few steps and was, it was actually kind of scary having to present that to the team and knowing that they, the ball was in their court, they could kind of do whatever with me now. Um, that sort of really made me feel like, hey, maybe there's something going on here. Maybe I have to sort of figure some things out. 
And then since then, it was kind of like a six, seven, even till now, it was just a process of just figuring out what works for me, what doesn't work for me, um, and having the tools kind of prepared to be able to battle through those. I go through panic attacks and um, bouts of depression and just trying to get out of those, whether it's leaning on people and talking to someone. I, I've talked with the therapist for a while now. I talk with you. Um, so just all these little tools that you, you talk with me too. Way. Talk with Ty. <laughs> it, it's honestly it, the podcast yeah. is a little bit of just oh like yeah it's therapeutic therapy that's out yeah, there 100%. you know yeah. so yeah it's kind of just been an ongoing I think that's a good thing to understand too like it's not a you see it in the media it's a lot of people portrayed as a one-day fix or like a pill you can take and then it's all gone and it's just every day is sunshine and rainbows but um there's a lot of tools you got to learn and a lot of things you got to deal with and a lot of lessons you got to learn in order for things to kind of work out your way and um yeah I, I love what you said about um i love first of all i i've i've had a therapist uh i love therapy and um and what's interesting is like people come to us and they, they're kind of confused they're like because even when we started working together it's like am i here to fix what's wrong or am i here to increase my performance and it's like well both but there are certain people to talk to about certain conversations and i think it's important to reiterate that like sometimes your best friend can be your best therapist and sometimes they are definitely not your best therapist right so <laughs> yeah. uh and that's that's one of those things but right for your for your story too i'm curious like how much how much did so what you said reminded me of a quote um from someone who i work with as a coach and she's incredible um uh, and she said that distraction is often and a sign of despair yeah and i think we've talked about this before yeah um and and i'm just curious like when you look at your own story in the league uh before you got to the league and even other players that you've seen and we don't have to talk about names but maybe even some people on the podcast like do you think that's true does that hold true that that distraction is a sign of despair when it comes to some of these conversations for sure i think like i think the distraction piece of it is kind of like dangerous especially when you talk with athletes who like maybe things aren't going well in their life but then they just become focused on their sport and i think yeah. in athletics too like substance abuse can be a distraction too so i think just though like when the sport isn't going well though and then now you don't have a distraction that is like positive there it just for me like i tried to do that i tried to distract myself with hockey because I knew I wasn't really feeling well. And then I, I drink a lot. And then the one year I had it in Detroit where I went 79 games without scoring a goal. And I was a first round pick. And I was before that, I was kind of taking steps up to being a, a more relied on player. And then that season happened and I was like, okay, well now, like I don't have anything I truly like yeah. care about or I'm rooted in. And that was really hard for me. And that was a, a very, that was a learning process for me. And that's kind of when I started learning a lot of these tools. So the distraction piece, yeah, you see it a lot in sports and it can be dangerous. So I think that's why it's so important to have your life together away from the game. How, how, um, as, how has becoming a father and a husband or being in a committed relationship changed this conversation for you? I'm curious about how that's evolved. Yeah. It, I mean, you're, it's it's such a perspective changer I mean everyone always says like you have a tough game you can go home and you you see a, your child smiling at you not caring at all what happened at the arena or the playing field whatever um and then even like 
he could be smiling, he could be angry, but he needs you. And he, and I think that part of it, like feeling wanted and knowing that I have a greater role has definitely turned some lights on for me. Um, and that's just such a, such a cool, like, doesn't matter how bad, bad your day is going. Like if, when I can see my little guy laugh and look at me, like you can tell he's looking at me, like I'm his role model and it's just, it's so powerful. So, um, I know there's things that are more important than what, what goes on, on, on the ice. So, and, and just so, so feel free, like if we're going a direction, you don't want to go, feel free to interrupt me. Just be like, oh, we're not going to talk about that. Um, <laughs> but I'm curious, I'm curious because I know, uh, like I'm, I'm trying to parlay what I know backstory from people who don't know you. Um, uh, did you, how did you feel about becoming a father two years before it happened? Oh man. I kind of hit on it when, when I said that that's kind of our first conversation was sort of about fatherhood. Right. And I was so intimidated and I was like, I'm not ready for this. And I knew my wife would be coming up with her and I needed to respect that it was her body and she was ready for it. But like, I mean, I think hockey sort of gave me an out to a little bit of immaturity and, and gave me an out to a little bit of like not having to sort of take care of the, my life outside of the game. And at that point, I was just really, really intimidated by it. And hockey wasn't going that great for me at the time. So I was just kind of in a, in a sort of, I was stuck. Um, so yeah, like I think about that me until now, and it's actually kind of crazy that the transition that's happened and what I see now is important and uh, how my values have changed and things like that. I, and the other piece of that puzzle I'm curious about too is like, and I want people to know this story because I've, I've, I've had a front row seat, like kind of shotgun, riding shotgun in that journey with you and seeing the transition. But um, I think the principle is so powerful. It's like you were, you were scared. You were, you were afraid that you would screw it up or that you wouldn't be, you know, like there's all these fears coming up around. And, and I don't know, Tyler, I'm sure you've had moments like that too, or you, you have that imposter syndrome. It's like, I have the imposter syndrome in my own life right? And one of the principles I think that's so incredible to slow down and notice is that um, being an imposter, having that feeling is often the evidence that you're stepping into your next level of greatness. Um, and the fear that you're not going to be able to off, you know, I get, I get the fear of like, oh, maybe I can't do this. Usually you're wrong and you can't. <laughs> like I've seen, I've seen, man, I, Riley, I've seen so much more groundedness in even, and, and I, here's the question, how, how is, that new perspective affected the way you perform on the ice as an athlete. Yeah, it's definitely, it's opened things up and eased pressure, which translates into just being more at peace while you're playing, looking at the, the uh, understanding why you're playing, like mm. kind of seeing the positives. And I mean, we always talk about just take, like just noticing things like notice the crowd, notice, the kids standing on the glass at warmups, just like totally enthralled and, and what's going on in front of them. Like just those little things that you become way more um, present. And I mean, we say that, I feel like people say that a lot in the mental health space, be present, be present. But like when you can actually get there and, and um, acknowledge what's going on around you, I think it's, it's helped me a ton. So yeah, well, like, even, I think that's, go ahead. I was going to say even recognizing when you're numb. Yeah. Like, I don't yeah. think people recognize when they're numb. I think, I think, and that's part of that presence conversation, but um, yeah. 
I know and I'm even, bad at it. It goes to like what you what we talked about, just like with helping people. Like I think one of the things that we've talked about, like when I'm numb or when I'm kind of just in my own head, it's like just get out and talk, even like on the bench, talk to my line mates. Like who cares if it's just absolute bullshit? Just talk. <laughs> And then if it's like, if I'm able to be out in, in public or like, just do something nice for someone, like doesn't, it could just be a simple, like a, go a little extra further in conversation or hold the door, help some, like just like so many things that are, are available out there to help people with. It's just like what we can do for other people that I find that helps me get out of my own box sometimes. Yeah. I, um, uh, the thing that we talk a lot about, and we talked about this too, Ryan, and if you're listening at home and you want to take a note on it, it's like, what does it look like to participate even more in your own life? Right. Yeah. Which is, which is great. So yeah. Tyler, your story is different, very different because it like Riley's and I know 99% of people listening to the, the, the episode right now probably know your background, know what happened with the humble bus crash, know about that. But it's like Riley's story is a little bit more like he progressed his way through these learnings. Whereas it feels like, and I'm tell me if I'm wrong. I, I'm wondering if this is the case. Like it, it almost got pushed into you really f- like abruptly in the form of an accident. Like there was something tragic that happened that probably, I don't know, did, did it awaken new conversations or were you always kind of interested in these things before that happened? Oh, I had no interest. <laughs> yeah. Like it was, I mean, it was definitely a case of when I look back, um, I just didn't understand mental health. I, I mean, I didn't understand the complexity of it. And I think it's, that's okay. It wasn't ever, like, it, yeah. let's be honest, like 20. You were a kid playing hockey. Yeah, yeah, 2017. I mean, that wasn't a conversation. Like it, it just, just was never the case. And it was nobody's fault. Um, at the end of the day, I, I, it was nobody in my life's fault. Um, but now am I obviously happy with the progress we've made? Um, yes, absolutely. But at the time, I mean, I just wanted to play hockey. I just kind of wanted to just do my thing. I just wanted to make people happy. I just wanted to make people laugh. And I mean, I look back and it's like, yeah, I did Movember in like 2015, 2016, 2017 for men's mental health, not understanding like what really went into men's mental health. <laughs> like I can look back on my Movember and it was like in 2016, I think I raised like 160 bucks for my grandma and mom and cousins and all this. And I, it was for men's mental health. But like, I mean, I had no idea, like, like I said, the, the complexity, the layers of it or the, just the magnitude in general. Yeah. Can we go, can we go real deep? Yes. You up for it? Um, uh, I, I am curious about, uh, so we talked about despair and distraction, like distraction is a form of despair uh, and despair and grief are cousins. And um, I think we talked about a little bit about this at dinner, even when we hung out a couple months ago, but I'm curious, like how, how is going through, how has gone through a traumatic experience where there's a, a crap ton of grief in your life? How, what did, what did that begin to, what questions maybe did you begin to ask or what did that kind of set? And I'm not that you're, you're on a journey, right? So like, where, where did that kind of point your ship after? Well, like until I really started to embrace that I needed to do something for myself and I needed to take care of myself. Um, I mean, I had no, I had no desire to embark on a journey. I had no desire to, you know, put my, my work boots on, like we say for physical health and, and go to work for my mental health. I really just had no desire. And how long I always, did it take you? How long? You said it took a while. Yeah. Like I would say probably, um, I mean, nine months, 
like, after the act. Yeah. Eight or nine months. Cause as soon as, you know, it was so physical health dominant and it was so, I need to heal this. I need to heal this. And I don't, I mean, I don't know if I directly had this thought, but I mean, if I reflect back now, it's a case of, I was thinking that if I heal mentally or if I heal physically, like my mental and emotional will follow. Um, and even for so long after the crash, I mean, I would sit on the couch, wait for my next physiotherapist appointment. And like, I would be kicking myself for not crying. I would be, I would be in, in, in pieces mentally because I feel as though that I should be crying about this. And I, and for some reason I had no idea, you know, there was times in the hospital, obviously tears were shed, but once I got back home after 13 days in the hospital, I mean, there were so many moments where I was like, I should be fucking bawling my eyes out right now. Like what is wrong with me? Like what, what is happening and I mean, while this was going on, I was just completely consuming myself with just like the survivor's guilt questions. Yeah, like it was just me? a case. Yeah. Why us? Why me? Why? You know, why am I still here? Like there were so many amazing people that we lost that day that deserved to be here. You know, I was thinking to myself that I like, I don't offer as much as everybody that we lost, you know, like, why am I still here? And I think that just, I'm, I mean, I was in a constant spiral of asking myself these unanswerable questions and just consuming myself with it. And I mean, I'm not going down a good journey because then while I was doing this, like I always kind of, I don't know if this even makes sense, but I now kind of know the, the difference between staying distracted and keeping busy. Like I was just like, in, I was in such a mode of wanting to distract myself. And, and I, I just was, I had no idea how to embark. I had no idea like how to, you know, put my right foot forward on that journey what was the, what was the pivot point like where what made that eight month marker change for you um so i went back to humboldt after all my physical injuries you know healed and everything and once i got to humboldt um i i i thought i prepared myself mentally and emotionally um i didn't <laughs> um going back into that you know that billet house and going back into that dressing room that community i mean just everything about it um i knew that there was only going to be two faces in that dressing room that you know I, I, I guess I wanted to see, obviously I knew that there was graduating players from that team that wouldn't have been there that next year anyways. But I mean, I look around the room and it's like, I want to see so many other faces um, and no knock to the, to the new team. I mean, I, I still have good relationships with a lot of those players. Um, yeah. But then I was in this, I was in this, this mode where it's like, I have to do this, you know, like I, I need to play for everybody that we lost. And, and originally, I mean, I just wanted to do that. That was my only mission. I just wanted to play for every single, you know, family member, every single person that we lost, every single, every single member that was affected from the 29 families. That was my only mission. Um, and once I started to understand that, you know, I wasn't moving forward in any way, I would go into the rink and I was kind of in this monotonous routine. I'm just like, this, this is not fun anymore. Like I, I, I want the culture back. I want the dressing room back. Like this used to be my home. Like this was my second home. And once I kind of started to understand that for the first time, you know, I actually, I guess, put myself first and I went to my, I went to my, or I texted my parents and I was just like, I'm not having fun anymore. And after I, after I started to, you know, put these thoughts into my mind, I went to my billet parents who I love dearly, like, like my second parents and my billet mom um, just, you know, gave me a big hug and, she was the one that said, you're going to promise me that you seek help because she could see how much struggle I had. And I mean, when I started to understand and recognize that, you know, my loved ones are really starting to be deeply affected because I'm losing my identity and everything that I've 
I've been trying to mask. Um, I that was the kind of the moment. Obviously, there was some influential phone calls the next day um, to make sure that I wasn't letting anybody down by leaving Humboldt. Well, and, and Tyler, one of the things that's so evident to me as we're talking about it is um, the default. I wonder if other people listening to this might go there too. Is like the default is I'm going to put all of the weight of what needs to be fixed on my back. <laughs> yeah. and I'm going to, I'm going to be the solution. I'm going to be the hero. I'm going to play for all the guys we lost. And you, and in the midst of that, you're describing losing yourself. And, and you said it like, what, like to put yourself first, it's, it seems so counterintuitive. It seems like, Oh, that's selfish. Like that, that's not the way you're supposed to do it. And, and it seems like that, that moment. And then having somebody who, who loved you, your bill, your billet mom, like, Hey, like go, you need to go get help. Like, you know, like, yeah. you know, you know, like it's just amazing how I think often there's such a um, resistance in us around saying, you know, like I, I do actually need to spend some time on me. And so you, you decided in that moment to do it or did it take some time? Um, I mean, I wouldn't say directly in that moment, obviously there were some steps to be had after that, but I think ultimately making the decision to leave Humboldt and having those conversations, um, I mean, I'm not going to say, you know, I don't know where I'd be today, but at the end of the day, I, I really don't know where I'd be. Cause I, I, I mean, in my, in my head, I was like, I can stick this out for the next 30 games. Like I have no problem just you know, prolonging this suffering. And then once I get home, you know, I can start to, I can start to put one foot in front of the other. But at that time, like, I just, like I said, it was just, it was for everybody that was involved that day. And I mean, now I can look back obviously and be proud of myself for even making it back. But at that time, I mean, I wasn't thinking in that in that light. I just wanted to, yeah. you know, I just wanted to do what's best. And I think to answer your question, there was some more steps to be taken. Um, but like that really did propel me on that path. Because I mean, to see someone who loves you so much and the look in their eyes when they just know that, you know, they want to help so much, but there's obviously so much, so much you could do in such a unique situation. Um, so good for your belt mom too, though. Right. Like I feel like a lot of people, no matter how close you are to someone, it's really hard to actually like confront and mm -hmm. say it because like, you don't want to bog the person down or you don't, all these things come up in your head, right. You don't want to like make them feel this way. Or you don't want to, you don't know how they'll per perceive it, but like when it comes from someone that's so close to you, like it's, pr it's the best eye opener, right? Oh, it like hits it's, different. It hits yeah. different. <laughs> yeah. When somebody's like, Hey, I love you yeah. enough to tell you this, you know, yeah. like, yeah, uh, it's, you can tell, like, I think it's such a great, I, I heard a great definition of courage um, that I love and it's, uh, and there's lots of definitions of it, but uh, courage is when you take a risk for another person. And um yeah. And that's like such a good example of, of that happening in action. So, so Tyler, you, you, what did you do? Did you, did you go see a therapist? Did you get grief counseling? What was the process of doing that? Did you started a podcast? <laughs> like there's, you know, what, what, what did you do? Yeah, I think I, uh, I just started to, obviously, I mean, we were in a place where it wasn't like I had to, you know, go get a job right away and just get back to real life. You know, we were fortunate enough to, I mean, I just still to this day, I just can't, I'm, I'm, I'm appalled by the support and the love that we received. And um, so honestly, I just went home and, and just tried to relax for once. I just honestly tried to, you know, open my mind and find some peace. And then I started to, I mean, 
I, I wish I honestly wrote down more things, um, but I chose the therapy route, I, which was ultimately very scary for me. Um, but I mean, what, still to what, this day. What was scary about it, Tyler? I think just like the stigma around it, because I was like, nobody in my life does this that I know of, at least. And I was like, why would I go into a room and talk to a stranger about all my problems that I don't yeah. talk to with my people that I love? You know, like what yeah. what was going to fuel that fire for me to go sit in that room? Um, but I, that's just one of the miscon the many misconceptions that I think I had in this uh, yeah. before I started to, you know, take care of myself. Did it take you a couple uh, times? Like, did you go to a couple different people to find the right fit? Was it a, a journey or did you like click right away with the first person you talked to? I was very fortunate. Um, I clicked right away with the first person I talked to. Um, and the biggest thing for me was like, I just- You're a hard to guy to click with too. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, I was just going to say, yeah, you're very unagreeable and kind of an asshole. Really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unconventional. <laughs> but I mean, honestly- Cause I, I didn't really know what kind of anticipations I had or expectations I had going into that room. Um, but for me, like, I just wanted to feel comfortable. Like I, yeah. if I wanted to swear, I was allowed to do that. If I wanted to just sit up with my knee up and, you know, just chill then I'm allowed to do that. But I also wanted somebody that would challenge me in a sense where it's like, you know, not a graceful challenge. Like my therapist was really good at being able to be like, like, come on, like fucking figure it out. Like, this is you like, come on. So, um, I mean, that was one path I chose. And I mean, believe it or not, I actually went back to play hockey too. I played in, uh, in my hometown for my junior B team. And I played with a bunch of buddies I grew up with. I was able to find a love for the game again. Um, and I'm not yeah. saying that I completely lost that love, but it was a case of I didn't really know what to do. And I, I still felt like I, I, I wasn't playing for myself and I wasn't able to just have fun. So once I was able to go back and play junior B and have no kind of worries in the world, I just loved hockey again. And I still, I think that ultimately ignited my fire to, to still be involved with the game. Yeah, man. It's um, I'm just reminded, like, I, so if, if you're listening to this and you've gone through any level of grief or loss in your life and, and it's the, the sad, the sad truth, and it's, maybe it's not sad, but it's just the, the truth is we all do at some point. Like I, I didn't experience any sort of real personal loss until I was about 34 and I'm <laughs> spoiler alert. I'm older than both of you, <laughs> um, uh, but but uh, um, I, I just remember feeling, uh, and it was a loss of my my mom, and and I'm coming up on her anniversary uh, of losing her two weeks from now. And every time around that year, or every time around that time of the year, I feel I feel like the memories in my body, uh, the you know the angst, the desire to distract myself, the to pull away, to not sit with somebody and just admit that, like I you know, I want to feel good right now. I want to avoid grieving. I want to avoid despair in those moments. And I'm curious, like how many it's been, um, this is crazy too. Cause actually I was working with the swift current Broncos with our team when the bus crash happened. So, and a member, a number of the players on that team had friends on the bus. And, um, I, it was kind of crazy that I ended up getting connected to you, Tyler, and getting to know you. Cause um, I, I got to experience that through the eyes of teammates, former teammates and friends of guys who were involved. And, and I'm curious, like, as time has progressed, what have you learned about your own grief or grief in general 
um, as the years have gone. That's been four years to five years now. Yeah, I, I guess four and a half. Yeah. So yeah, eight, next April will be five years. So um, I've learned that grief is uh, it's very wavy, if that makes any sense. It's yeah. Uh, yeah I mean, originally I didn't really know how to go about it just because in our situation and I'm not diminishing obviously anybody else's situation, but it was unique in the sense that I wanted to be able to grieve like each individual, you know, separately. And I wanted to make sure that I'm doing my best to honor everybody. Um, and that's a, it's obviously a very challenging thing. And I think now for me, I've just learned to embrace the fact that I'm allowed to look up through my sunroof and talk to my people. You know, I'm, a, I'm allowed to just like have a, a conversation essentially with myself, but just be like, you know, like how we doing, like I miss you. And I'm also allowed to just embrace the fact that when I, for some reason, it, it's I something with bunnies, you know, like this weird as this may sound, I just find that, you know, every time I need it, I mean, there's a bunny just waiting outside somewhere or like even birds, like it's fucking weird. And it's, but like, that's the thing about grief is like, you just yeah. like, don't know what you're going to embrace and you don't know like what you're going to really rely on, I guess I've found. Um, yeah. and for me, I mean, animals has been a big thing. Uh, I got a tattoo of 16 birds on my left collarbone and even something like that. It's like, who knows if that's like a sign at all. And I know for so long, I think a lot of people with grief will long for signs. Um, and I really longed for signs in the, in the sense where I was almost like forcing it. Like I was like, I, I need something now. Um, but I was in no mindset to be able to embrace that sign once it actually just naturally came. And I remember at my first sign, I was just like, oh my God, you know, like I wasn't waiting for this, but it feels so weird, but also just really powerful and really reassuring. Um, and I think it's, I mean, it's a constant everyday battle with grief. And I think that's, uh, there's been a lot of like little things that I've started to lean on and I've started to be like okay like I'm allowed to do this you know like I I can do this and I can I can listen to the song with a new meaning and and all that yeah yeah I um that's 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 amazing man like there's so many there's so much good in what you just said and so many pieces to it too I uh in my own journey and uh, of this too it's been an experience of understanding that grief and gratitude are kind of on the same coin like there's like this strange sort of I'm not very thankful for things I don't grieve, mm -hmm. you know, like it's, it, and, and it's, but, and, and like, I would trade, I would trade, I make the trade back anytime, right? Like we would, you know, yeah. and I'm sure you would too. Um, so that's, that's the context that kind of brought you guys here. And, and that's why you were the first guest, right? Like, it's like, oh yeah, who should we get up? Probably the kid who went through that experience. He probably has some stuff to talk about, right? Like, uh, which and 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 for I'm I'm assuming people know, but maybe they don't. Like Tyler, you spend your time traveling across North America. I don't know if you've gone global yet, but like speaking and talking about this to crowds. And and um, I think when we when we met, I remember that wasn't something you had done earlier either. It was just like something you started doing. Is that right? Yeah, I'm, uh, I tell this to everybody, I'm a terrible self promoter. So it's more of a case of now it's just like if somebody's, you know, at the door and they want I'll do it to... for you. Just yeah, tell us yeah. <laughs> yeah. So once again, I mean, that's nothing I ever anticipated, even this podcast, like everything I'm kind of doing now is nothing I ever thought I'd be doing or never anticipated. Um, but you said it perfectly, the community aspect. 
I really just enjoy now like having these communities around a, obviously a topic that is very uncomfortable for a lot of people. Yeah. 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 Well, and, and when um, it's, what's cool is like when you guys, the two of you particularly, like when you take a stand, other people can stand with you and it's, it only takes one really. Right. And um, Riley, I think about just, so I, I don't know if you remember, Riley, do you remember talking about this podcast idea? Like Ooh. a couple years ago, the origin. Oh, really? I don't know. You might have. Because you like might keep... not. Yeah, it's. Yeah, not not totally. I just remember. I remember a conversation. This is like early when we first started working together, and I remember a conversation around your desire to have a larger impact in the mental health mm -hmm. space. I just remember you talking about that, and that led you to some of the things with Torch Bro. But I remember you. I remember asking you some random question. It wasn't even that. Like, it wasn't profound or anything. And you're like. Uh, I've always wanted to do a podcast. I'm like, oh, well, why not that? <laughs> and and uh, and you took it and ran. Like, man, you're like not only did you run, like you've created an environment where um, some of the best athletes in the world and artists have come on and talked about things that there's really not a lot of platform. They're not going to, you know, Entertainment Tonight's not doing or ESPN's not usually doing long term interviews about what people are going through. How a couple things. What is the most for both of you? What's the thing you're the most proudest so far? Uh, that you guys have done in the podcast, or maybe, maybe there's an episode or a guest or a conversation that you're like, man, like that, you know, toot your own horns a little bit. <laughs> um, episode wise, whew, I don't know, like, it's tough to, I, I enjoyed our, we, we did one most recently with uh, Mark Borowiecki, and it was just nice to get a guy that like, people perceive as being so mean and like, yeah like on the ice he's just so hard to play against and you just never know like he's mysterious and he comes out and he talks about a very similar uh experience that i had except like except not like specifics not i guess um so that i i really enjoyed that one and it's did you tell nice me the story hear. about rescuing somebody out of a car <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah yeah he had a couple a couple good <laughs> stories I I haven't, I haven't listened to that episode yet, but I had, I, I know guys on that team and, and they told me that about Mark, like rescuing somebody on somebody's card. Yeah. He's like, like a bloody. <laughs> yeah. That he had that one. And then he had uh one where he saved, he like a late, a lady got like mugged or something and, or no, someone got mugged or a guy was robbing something from a car or something. And he like tracked the guy down and got the <laughs> stuff back. And I just loved it because he just acts on instincts and he's a very moral person and I just can, I yeah. can respect that. So, but I think the best story or the best experience that I've had just regarding the podcast was our last game in Seattle. Uh, I'm usually the last one out of the locker room, just taking my time. And I drove out my, I drove my car out and last game, usually people are waiting for autographs and whatnot. And um, there was still like a group of like 10 or 12 people. And I was like, in my head, I don't give myself credit. I, I'm just like, why are these people waiting for me? Like, they can't be waiting for my signature. Yeah. And I stopped. And like, as soon as I rolled the window down, there's just a, a bunch of like girls probably in their 20s or so. And they're like, Riley, like, oh, we were waiting for you. Um, Whatever, whatever. Can you sign this? Whatever. Like, we love your podcast. Wow. One girl chimes in was like, your podcast actually led me to go back to therapy um wow. and just like talking and you could tell like they were very like artistic and very like curious like curious like what we talk about and it was just like really meaningful that people were actually that 
engaged in what we had to say and and enough that they went back out and, and got help and tried to trying to live a, a healthier life so that that was really cool for me when I was driving home I really like thought about it. I was like well um it might not be goals and assists that that I'm chasing now but to be able to affect someone like that was pretty cool yeah that's that's massive Ty how about you yeah that's good I uh it's hard to boil it down to obviously one episode to start with that. Um, there's been a lot that is just like, it's like an awakening for, for a lot of the episodes we had and like in the best way possible, because it's, it's, for me, it's, it's different because I mean, I never played professional or anything like that. So, I mean, as much as I understand, obviously the grind a little bit, I mean, I don't fully get it, but to have these like deep, deep conversations with these people that, I mean, I never thought I would be having conversations with about this. It's just like, what? <laughs> like, what is this life? <laughs> yeah. And honestly, for me, I've really started to understand how important the authenticity of, yeah. of things can be. And I think Riley and I can both agree that the only reason we want to keep doing this and the only reason that we will keep doing it, this is if we're 100% authentic about it. And being able to, you know, set those boundaries, but also just understand that we are completely imperfect and we can do this and we can hold space for this and we're allowed to. I mean, to be honest, it's I was I rushed here from work and I hit traffic and I was so pissed off. And then I get on and I'm like, I'm so tired. I didn't prep at all. But then it's like now, like looking back, I'm like, this was an hour of my life that I really, really enjoyed. And this is something that I, I want to hold space for. And I'm, I'm allowed to hold space for. And it's not a case of, you know, Riley and I are coming on the podcast every time and bawling our eyes out about, you know, what's going on in our lives. But I think for me, it's that just, would be an interesting yeah. podcast. Though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just like yeah. an hour of crying with Ryan and Ty. We could call it that. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> But I think it's taught me a lot of things and a lot of different values that I guess in your everyday life, you overlook, you know, even something as simple as empathy mm-hmm. to really be able to empathize with these, these various individuals who have completely different stories and empathize with them around a topic like this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's very fulfilling and it's profound to think that, you know, we're on episode 25. Um, it's just, uh, it, it's wild. Is this the 25th? Yeah, I think so. 25th anniversary, baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, episode anniversary. I don't know if that's a thing. Um, but uh, the 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 thing that that strike. I, I I don't know if you guys watched UFC at all, but there was a fighter who oh, got yeah. up and talked about um, suicide. Uh, what's his name? Pat? No, Patty, uh, Patty the Batty. Patty the Daddy. The Batty. Oh, the Batty. The Daddy. <laughs> I don't know what his name is. We'll, don't, we'll fix that in post. Uh, that was incredible. Uh, well, and 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 it was, you know, it's it, it's it's heartbreaking, right? Because yeah. the reason he's saying that is somebody's dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and and at the same time, like I think there's something about uh, men, particularly, standing up and courageously saying like, "This is, yeah." And you guys are doing this, like this conversation matters and not only does the conversation matters, we need to be having it together. Um, and I know, I know as someone who, um, who's, (laughs) who's tempted, like it's so easy to be tempted to hold it in and I just got to deal with this on my own. And, you know, um, 
uh, I, I've started to I've started to recognize that when I meet somebody who appears to be very strong, usually that's a sign of weakness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally. the opposite of what you think it is. Yeah. Um, and I, I I guess just kind of as in the last few minutes we got together, um, what what is your guys's and, and you might have already given this answer in many ways, Riley, with what you said, but as you guys look forward to new episodes coming out, what you guys are recording right now, what do you hope is going to happen? Um, uh, what effect or what results do you want to see happen with this, with this thing as you move forward? Uh, it's tough. Like I, I don't know. I, my hope is that like with people listening, like you understand that who you think has like this massive platform and who you think has like, everything that they want or that they've dreamed of and that they've worked for they still have like they still have their problems and they still have days that they don't feel good or they feel depressed or and it's it's kind of inevitable and and you don't know when those days are so when you can do something I mean it sounds cliche but when you can be kind and you can do something nice for other people and you can go out of your way to make someone feel a little more welcome or whatever it is like that can go so far and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who it is. Like you could, I, I just, for me, I, I don't think people give them the benefit of the doubt. And I just would love people to listen and just know that like, we're all in this together and it's okay to just be, have shit days, just wake up and I mean, make your bed and go from there. I, I don't know. Like it's, it's tough to really put it into words, but um, just <laughs> I just want people to be kind to each other, really. <laughs> as, hey, as, hey, I, I as can see you judging as yourself. Sounds. <laughs> I can see you judging yourself as you're saying it. You're doing great, Riley. <laughs> as dorky as it sounds, I just want people to. You just see, like, yeah. I don't know. It's just so easy to access, like, like to be compared to other people mm -hmm. or to compare yourself, and um, I don't know. A lot of that is just kind of your brain working in ways that shouldn't. There's a, and Tyler, I want to ask you the same question in a second. There's a book that I just recently heard about. Um, and there's lots of books that talk about things like this, but it's on, it's on happiness. And it's written by a guy who teaches happiness at Harvard, which is an interesting course that there's a course at Harvard on happiness. Um, it's called from strength to strength. And it, it, it's, it's a book about it's, it's, I think it's 2020, 2022. It just came out, but I just reminded of that because you were just talking about like how we define success. Uh, and often we define success, especially when you're young, we define success through platform, through money, through material. Um, and I think when you go through uh, experiences of loss or uh, struggle, you begin to realize that a lot of that is peripheral. It's not mm -hmm. core. It's not like what really leads to a meaningful life. And so uh, that book talks about that. And that's why I was reminded of it. Yeah. But, um, Tyler, for you, man, like you, you joined this, you, you know, you're, you're the rookie. You came in one episode late. Um you yeah, know, two episode two <laughs> started. Um, you're the guest, the first one, so obviously impressed. But like, you joined us, and and like, what do you, what do you, as you think about the future, what do you hope happens with it, and um, what kind of impact do you want to see uh, this this have in the future? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I, for anybody that knows me, I'm not like the biggest goal setter in the entire world. Um, obviously, I have dreams, I have aspirations, I have, you know, I guess life goals, but for the most part, I'm very much of a day by day person. And I think honestly, just to to help reiterate the fact that we are literally all made of strength, but also struggle um, is something that I really rely on. 
And I hope that, I mean, we've said it multiple times, but like it, for me, it's not a case of I need an, a, me- a message back or feedback after every single episode. Cause at the end of the day, like this is something that really helps me as well. And this is mm-hmm. like we said, this is therapeutic for me. And this is a part of my growth. And I think to, to make sure that people know that this isn't a battle to ultimately be one, you know, we can just, we can get through this together and we can create this community and create this environment. And I think that's the kind of the main thing with speak your mind is to help create a community that people just make sure that they, they know that they can just embrace who they are. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I can't really pinpoint it to one thing. I'm happy to, like I've said from the start, just happy to be a part of the a puzzle. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's been, it's, it's been amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I just had, I just had my son walk into the office. <laughs> oh. Oh. I'll be done in a few minutes. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Did I'm sorry, say, guys. I did he just say? Door. Did he just say? Can I have some ice cream? And you said, "Yeah, go ahead." <laughs> That's kind of like what I heard. Yeah. Can I have some ice cream? Yeah, whatever. Eat yeah, whatever you want. Uh, care. Yeah. No, he he asked about PlayStation. Uh, oh, um, nice. Which is great. That's fun. Um, I I <laughs> I please leave that in the episode. That'll be great. Uh, yeah. Or you walk upstairs. Uh, he's playing Grand Theft Auto yeah. while eating Whoa. ice cream. Yeah, eating yeah. ice cream. Is- <laughs> I, I think I think um, the the thing that I, I walk away with from this conversation with you guys um, excited about is like we're only at the beginning of and we talk about it being almost like in sort of those battle terms like where like there's a there's a battle to be fought and I actually think what you guys are doing is is you're you're creating a space for oxygen to be breathed like for someone to slow down and like it's almost like a meadow it's like you know it's the you don't we need we don't need to be at war with ourselves we can we can we can share this together and and by doing so we're gonna we're gonna grow and create more beautiful things out of it and and there will be tough times in battle and that too but i i just i i I, when i think about both of you um and what you care about uh it's people and it's so evident to me um, from afar and then up close that that's what you guys value more than anything. So I just want to thank you for being willing to share your stories on your own show. Which is a little <laughs> Are you giving um, us the reins back? I'm going to, I'm going to go. We should almost like make brothers. this like a monthly thing, you know, like I, if we, if we get good feedback, we'll see people got well, to like, like, no, that was the worst. Yeah. Episode. <laughs> people got to gauge how they like Dan and then uh, we'll go from there. <laughs> When Dan and I were talking about this episode, we were like, it's just like the interview and stepbrothers. Yeah. And How about we interview, interview you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, I know that oh, whole scene. So <laughs> yeah. But Dan, thank you. I mean, yeah. this is awesome. And I knew you would do a good job at asking hard hitting questions like all of our talks. And once again, I appreciate everything, everything that you do for me and Keish and um, my sister, everyone. So uh yeah you're really important to us so well i've met you twice and i love you so (laughs) so honestly thank you you too man thank you so much for coming on um like like i kind of said when we transitioned over to you hosting i think it's uh it's very beneficial um as hopes to also be able to do the opposite and i think you know having these conversations is uh it's something that we like to do as you know for even for me i mean it's it's hesitant at time to do it 
Um, but thank you for, you know, creating a space for us to, uh, you know, give our listeners a little bit different than um, what they normally hear. So awesome. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Speak Your Mind. We hope you enjoyed the conversation with today's guest. You can stay up to date with new Speak Your Mind content by subscribing to our podcast channel or visiting torchpro.com for more. See you next show and have an awesome rest of your day. This episode is also brought to you by BioSteel. Zero sugar, essential electrolytes, great taste, and pure hydration. Join the likes of Connor McDavid, Alec Manoa, Andrew Wiggins, Brooke Henderson, and Patrick Mahomes on the BioSteel train. It's time for you to try BioSteel with our SYM25 discount code that will get you 25% off at checkout. Yep, that's right. I will gladly attest to this being the best hydration drink on the market. SYM25 at checkout. Now back to the conversation.